hard. But I'll be reading it in Matthew 2. And I think we need to start by understanding that I think a lot of people view Christmas the wrong way. Uh, we typically think of Christmas only one day a year. This is it. Uh, some people maybe get more than one day. Maybe you get a whole week. Uh, maybe you start right after Thanksgiving. You start getting that warm and fuzzy feeling. In fact, if you listen to Christmas music the day after Thanksgiving, you know, give yourself a little pat on the back. Good for you, you know? If you listen to it before that, we can probably find a straitjacket for you, <laughs> all right? But we think of Christmas tends to be only this, this one time of year, one day, maybe, maybe one week. And I think we need to think of Christmas as, as more like one of these. I don't know if you can see it from where you are. But when we had our first child, when we had Laura, we made birth announcements. And we sent these out to everybody. Only, only Laura got one, only the firstborn, just just part of being the firstborn, she was that special. All right? But Christmas is the birth announcement of Jesus. It's the birth announcement. And the baby doesn't end at the birth announcement. It's not over right there. It's just the first step. And it's a small step, even. It's not even the big step. We've got to spend the rest of the year, the rest of her life, the rest of our lives, the rest of forever loving her, caring for her, taking care of her, looking out for her, growing together with her. And yet we seem to think that, that Christmas is the only time people tend to dust off their thoughts about Jesus. And so I think we think of Christmas the, long ways, the wrong way sometime. We spend the entire year. We need to spend the entire year with Christ. And so what we're going to see today is different responses, different reactions to what happens when people get their birth announcement. When people get the birth announcement of Jesus Christ, how do they respond? We're going to see three specifically. All right. Let's start with the wise men. Matthew 2, and I'm looking at verses 1 and 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east, came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So the wise men, we start with the wise men. They're far off in the east, and they see these wonderful signs in the stars. These wonderful, amazing signs. They get their birth announcement, and they see something is different. And they know this baby is different. Babies are born every day. This baby was something special. And what do they do? They drop everything. Do, do we know what they were doing beforehand? No. Do we know where they're from? Eh, the east. Does it matter? No. They drop everything. Nothing else matters but for them to get to this baby. We've got to get to this baby. The distance doesn't matter. The trials and tribulations on their way there doesn't matter. What matters is getting to this baby. This baby is that important. Yes, he is that important that we drop everything and we go to him. And when we get to him, when the wise men get to him, what do they do? All right, let's go down to verses 9 and 11. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child and with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
They drop everything in their lives. They go to this baby and they rejoice. They rejoice. They throw themselves at his feet and they worship him. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. He has come. He has come. Again, we forget how big a deal this is. The Jews had been silent. For, God had been silent to the Jews for 400 years. We had been given the promise of a Savior for about 4,000 years before this. And finally, on today, he's here. He's come. Nothing else matters. No more let sin and sorrow reign. The earth receives her king. And they can just fall down at his feet and worship him, the Savior. God Almighty, the Creator, infinite God, has become a little bitty baby for me here on earth. And they throw themselves at his feet and they worship him. That's what they do when they get their birth announcement. Nothing else matters anymore. What matters is this baby. What matters is getting to him. What matters is worshiping him. They've stopped everything else because everything is different. Everything now has changed. Christ changes everything. Everything. And this is how I would hope all of us would respond to the birth announcement of Jesus Christ. How all of us would, would go to him, fall on our knees, and just praise him with eternal praise. Open up our hearts and weep for joy because he has come. He didn't have to. He didn't need to. There's nothing I did to make him come. He did it because he loves us. That's it. Just because of his love for us, he came for us. And our lives are no longer the same. Nothing's the same. Everything is different. We are no longer the same people. Christ has come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <coughs> Unfortunately, the Magi are not the only ones who get the announcement. Right? This is not the only way people take the news of Christ. Let's actually go uh, up to verses two, uh, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. 3 and 4. Someone else gets this announcement. When Herod, the king, heard this, this is of the baby, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Herod gets his first announcement. He hears of this new baby. A baby who would be a king? Uh, Herod's the king. Herod's the one in charge. This is a threat. This is a challenge to his rule. He can't allow that. He is angry and says all of Jerusalem is angry with him. That's because the king stands for Jerusalem. It's a bit of a hyperbole. It's also a bit of a, a metaphor. But he's angry. Exceedingly angry. In fact, Herod does some pretty nasty stuff. Let's go down to verses 7 and 8. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what, the, what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. We should be smart enough to know that he's lying. He has no intention 
of worshiping that baby. No intention. He plans great evil. In fact, we can drop to verses 16 and 18 to see that great evil. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise man, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. It just happened to be that we've been talking about Genesis, and I mentioned Rachel not maybe a month ago. Just tied in just perfectly. And Herod performs amazing evil. Wow. Goes and slaughters children, babies, two years and younger. A horrific moment in history, but one that is largely forgotten. It's just simply not going to be a big enough deal. Think of an area about the size of Arabo and all the children being wiped out. Horrible, tragic, but not something that the rest of the world is going to care about or write about. This is Herod. This is the evil, and this is the anger that comes from him being told another king wants to rule. Herod received his birth announcement and responds with hatred, anger, and sin. He is unwilling to accept another king. Herod hates Christ. Hates him. And history is filled with people who hate Christ, who have tried to block him out, who have refused his rule, who have tried to remove him from history, and we can take heart because they have failed every time. Every time throughout all of history, they have failed. And we can rest assured that throughout all of the future, they will continue to fail. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His reign is eternal. And all the Herods in the world mean nothing to that. But hatred for Christ is a very common response to Christ. Incredibly common. Something we don't see a whole lot in the United States. We forget the hatred that comes from hearing Christ's name. Hatred is a common response, but it often makes for the most remarkable lives for Christ. There's a man named Saul of Tarsus who planned to root out the church from the very beginning, to get rid of them, to eliminate them. He murdered Christians. He put them in jail. He locked them up, and then he met Christ. And he solidified Christianity by writing half of the New Testament. C.S. Lewis argued for years that Christianity was just a myth. Just a myth. And he argued with men like J.R. Tolkien. And one day on the way to the zoo, the Holy Spirit meets him. He stopped and he's changed. Throughout all of history, you have men and women who hated the Lord. From Augustine to Lee Strobel. But Christ came to them, and he met them, and he gave them amazing lives. He turned them around. Men and women who were at the executions of Christians, and as these people were being executed, praised Christ, and it changed their hearts, and they were new people. Do we understand why? Do we see the comparisons? Look at what the, look at what the Magi do. They hear of the Christ, they drop everything, and they seek him. 
Well, look at what Herod does. He hears of the Christ, he drops everything, and he seeks him. They do the same thing. They do the same thing. Hatred of Christ is not the worst response to Christ. I'd be highly surprised if anyone in here, in church, on Christmas, would be in the same camp as Herod. I don't think any of us would see us lining aligning with Herod. But I'd imagine each and every one of us has someone on our hearts that we see as a Herod. Someone weighing heavy on us that we just don't understand why that anger comes from when they hear of Christ. And what we can take from Herod is we can take heart. We can understand that just because they're angry doesn't mean God's done with them. God's not done with them. If someone you love is more Herod than Magi, then take courage. God's not done with them. Their story isn't over yet. Keep pressing with prayer. Keep pushing with love. Show them the Christ through your life daily. Show them every day, all year long. Love them like Christ loved them. Because God can't change their hearts. They're not done. This baby is irresistible. He is irresistible. But no, Herod, Herod is not the worst reaction we get. As crazy as that seems, right? Herod is not the worst reaction. For that, we need to go back to verses 4 through 6. And when he, this is Herod, when Herod had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. No, the saddest reaction to the birth announcement is the Jewish scribes. The Jewish scribes, the chief priests and the scribes. They receive their birth announcement. They are told about the king, the baby that has come. And with a casual shrug, they simply don't seem to care. They don't care. Maybe the timing didn't work for them. Did they have something more important in their lives? They were scribes to the king. Was that important enough? Maybe, maybe they couldn't be bothered to drop what they were doing, right? It was too big. If they had dropped it, oh no, something wouldn't have gotten done today. They couldn't have left that behind, right? Maybe they couldn't make the journey. Sure, those magi, they could do it. Maybe they have more resources. This was about a five-mile journey at this point in time. And these scribes couldn't be bothered to make that. This is Christ's own people. These are the Jews. And they simply don't care. It's not a knowledge issue. It's not a matter of they don't know enough. Clearly, they know plenty. They know more than the magi. They know more than Herod. This is not an issue of them not knowing enough. It's an issue of them not caring enough. It's an issue of the heart. And this is how I'd imagine most people live their lives, including people who would come to a church on Christmas. 
because Christmas becomes the time where we dust off old traditions to make mom and grandma happy. And Christmas becomes the time where we kind of shrug. We got a birth announcement. Hooray. Shrug. But that's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is the wake-up call. It's the birth announcement. He is here. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. He has come. He calls to you. He calls to all of us. Drop whatever it is you are doing. It is not more important. Set aside what you think is important and go to the one who is important. It will not be how you have acted on Christmas that reveals for love, your love for Christ. It will not be a chance birth of having to have a, a mother who just happened to believe or a mother who took you to church or the fact that you just happened to be born in the United States, one of the most evangelistic nations who ever lived. These were God's people. These were the Jews who shrugged and did not care. It will not be a chance birth that gets your name into the book of life. It is how you respond to the birth announcement all year long that matters. Now today is a special opportunity. A special opportunity. Christmas happened to land on Communion Sunday. And now is our chance. Our chance in quiet reflection to go to the Lord, repent of our sin, and ask Him for the forgiveness He offers. Ask Him to show you the Son and to bring, to you, bring you to the manger to worship the King. I'll read a piece from 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my bread, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Anyone who has made a commitment of faith is welcome to join in communion. We will start by distributing the items, and then we will take them together.
we start with the bread, which Christ proclaims his body, which he gave for us, so we may have eternal life. Eat the bread and reflect on Christ's sacrifice for us. Conclusion today is to urge you to respond to the birth of Christ. The announcement is in your hands. Respond. I pray you are a magi, dropping everything and running to him. Failing that, I pray that your hatreds toward him can be turned into love. He's done it before. He will do it again. And if you can't be bothered to fall into either of those camps, then I pray you wake up. Respond. Eternity is coming. The King has come. Wake up and go to Him. Either with hatred in your heart or praise on your lips, 
Go to him and meet your king. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that we get to gather the church. Thank you for today. Today is a day that you have made and we should be glad and rejoice in it. Thank you for your son. That you, you would send your son here to die for me. I am nothing. I am nothing. And yet you love me, you love us so dearly, so completely, that you would give such a sacrifice for us, for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Please help us all go this week to spread your news, to go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Thank you for all that you do for us, for all that you give us. In your precious and holy name.